I, I believe so strongly that a mental health condition no more defines us than any other health condition. I, like if I have diabetes and I say I'm a diabetic, you know, that that's a physical condition I have. I'm not, I, I don't personally, but um, plenty of people do, but we don't ascribe, um, you know, character um, uh, issues or, or assumptions about who that person is because they have diabetes, right? So let's not do that about other kinds of things like mental health challenges. Um, I mean, I can, I know so, well, I mean, I know so many people, one, in, as I said, one in five of us at any given time is struggling. Um, but the vast majority of us are, are living a life. So um, it's just a part of, of our lives. It's something that, you know, we deal with or has to be addressed. Um, I've suffered, I've struggled with. Welcome to the Scratch Your Own Itch podcast, the show about the things we think about but don't ever talk about. My name is Logan Tyler Nelson, and I'm your host. These conversations are about creating a life worth living with a focus on sharing stories about battles in our heads. Topics range from depression, addiction, self-doubt, past traumas, and everyday compulsive thinking. And my hope is that this show will just shed some light on anyone in the dark that feels like they're alone in their daily struggles. Please take note that this show is not meant to be a replacement for professional diagnosis or professional therapy. I am not a counselor or a therapist. Hey guys, you are so lucky to be listening in on today's episode. Um, yep, I'm that egotistical today because of my guest. I'm, I'm just feeling it. I'm feeling lucky. I'm feeling privileged to introduce you to the Wendy Smith. Um, who is Wendy Smith, huh? Well, Wendy Smith has worked in nonprofit industry for nearly 30 years. She's currently working as a consultant, speaker, and an, she also is an author. She has researched in the areas such as philanthropy and mental illness. She's even written a book titled Give a Little. Wendy is involved in mental health arena as a consumer, advocate, and former board member of her local chapter of the National Alliance of Mental Illness, NAMI, if you want, like a cool little abbreviation of what it is. She courageously performed a TEDx talk titled No Time to Waste Mental Health Literacy Can Be Taught to in Grade School. I'm going to try to say that again because, you know, I'm imperfect and I say stuff wrong sometimes. Totally. So, yes. Um, she said uh, she, she's courageously performed a TEDx talk titled no time to waste. Mental health literacy can be taught in grade school. And she is here with me now to talk about her experiences with depression and suicide. And she is also has a wealth of knowledge as how to become someone that may have a mental illness, 
but doesn't define themselves by their mental illness. Rather, they leverage their mental illness as a way to strengthen their way of expression and connection with others. So, guys, I am super excited to introduce you to the one and only Wendy Smith. How are you doing, <laughs> I, Wendy? Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much, Logan, for inviting me to talk with you on your podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's absolutely my pleasure. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm so happy we got to talk to each other a little bit before this interview. And um, mm -hmm. it was, it's been an absolute joy, like talking with you and just exchanging conversion, uh, this, this awesome conversation and actually just going for it. Um, but I always like to start off with, uh, this question just to, cause I, I love possibility hacking and sort of reverse engineering someone's story Interesting. to create the, the person that they are today and, and why they think they are the person that they are today. And I know that's a huge question. We could probably talk about it for the next 72 years. But uh, or like for, I could uh, talk this... about it in about 16 or, or 20 therapy sessions. <laughs> <laughs> I know, the I've, done, I've done the therapy, so I may have the answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to go on another one, one more therapeutic session for us. Um, <laughs> free of charge there you uh, go the only the only charge that maybe um cost is is your your vulnerability your ability to be authentic and that's all i ask for is just to try to make someone feel a little less alone wow um, i'm so yeah. glad i'm so glad that's your mission logan because you know um as I was mentioning to you earlier, and, and I, I mentioned this in my TED Talk, I think this is such a profound statistic that we have got to get out to the general public. Um, mental illness and mental health challenges are not uncommon. In fact, they're very, very common. Half of all of us will experience a diagnosable mental health challenge in our lifetimes. Half of us. So. As opposed to the stigma and um, the, our, the difficulty we have acknowledging the existence of mental health, um, it, it is actually normal to be experiencing a mental health challenge at any given point. It's, it's normal because half of all of us will. And at any given point in time, one in five of us is experiencing a mental health challenge. And that begins in grade school. So um, this is something that is just so common. Uh, people are experiencing it, so many of us, that we've just got to start talking openly um, and very deeply and honestly about it so that we can um, uh, benefit from one another's experiences and uh, develop channels for both communication and sharing information and getting treatment. One of the things we know is that the earlier um, we address a mental health challenge, the better the long-term outcomes are. And um, that's why I, I really am an advocate for beginning to teach kids about their brains, not just how their brains 
control their bodies, the functions of their bodies, but that their brains also control their minds. And so it, the functioning of our brains um, has this twofold uh, purpose. One is to, to control our hearts and our lungs and our central nervous systems, et cetera. But the other is our, our, our mental um, uh, processes. And so how we're feeling, how we're thinking, how we're acting. And uh, those things are incredibly important and, and really um, the foundation of our ability to function um, in the world. Uh, and, and, and we talk about all kinds of other physical states and physical health challenges um, as being fundamental to our well-being, but I can't think of one really that is more fundamental than our mental well-being. And um, so my, my feeling is that kids have a right, an absolute inalienable right to have information about how their minds work so that if they start to experience something and they're not feeling comfortable or right um, or like themselves in their minds, that they understand that that is a common thing and that they can get help for that. And that their parents um, understand that that's something that's common and that there's help available for that. And their classmates and their teachers and other people in the community. We should all understand this. We should all recognize it as just the reality of um, uh, of how human bodies work and uh, and talk about it honestly. I want I want I hope um, that this will contribute to eliminating stigma because I think that stigma forms um, when we lack information and understanding. And if we teach kids very young that um, our minds are a part of us that can um, experience problems and challenges, just like any other, other part of our body, um, that they'll just come to believe that that's just a normal part of life. Right. And, and, they're, and if we're teaching that to kids and we're telling parents, that's what we're teaching your kids and teachers are learning that that's what's going on among their students, then there shouldn't be any stigma attached to it. It's just another thing to look for. Just like we screen kids in elementary school for eyesight and hearing and um, other physical challenges. So, I mean, let's just get over it already. Right. It's 2017. <laughs> it's time to start talking. So that that's sort of my mindset right now. But I do. Yeah, of course. I do come to it. Um, I'm 53. And um, I, I come to this place and how I feel about mental health um, from a very, very long personal history uh, of having mental health um, problems in my family. Uh, there's a lot of mental illness throughout my extended family. Um, and I lost a brother to suicide when he was 29. Um, and really, I think when my brother became sick, he, he had very severe OCD and ultimately was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Um, that was a wake up call to my family. Um, you know, this was back in the mid nineties and 
we weren't really talking very much about mental health. Um, it wasn't until well after my brother died that the, a book came out um, titled The Boy Who Couldn't Stop Washing. And that was a, a revolutionary book about OCD and the experience of OCD. We had seen behaviors that were indicative of OCD um, in, in my brother Kevin's um, life beginning when he was about 12, but we didn't know what that was. We just thought it was odd. And, um, and then unfortunately, when he started college, he started having hallucinations and delusions and became very sick and um, left school. And um, <laughs> the first psychiatrist he saw um, diagnosed him with schizophrenia and said that the cause was my mother's parenting. So, I mean, that's not that long ago. And yet that is such a dark ages attitude about what can cause a mental illness. Um, so, yeah, we, we struggled to understand what was happening with him to help him get care. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, uh, he didn't survive his struggle. and. At that time, when my brother died, um, it was a, a time when a lot of people sort of had um, preordained thoughts about what suicide meant. Um, they had assumptions about suicide, that it was, you know, all kinds of assumptions. It's a sin, that it's, you know, that it's, um, it's selfish, et cetera, et cetera. But something inside of me made me want to understand it more deeply and from a more from a physiological point of view. And what I came to understand and that and something that gave me tremendous relief, and I think relief for other members of my family, was that essentially my brother had a fatal disease. He was battling severe schizophrenia. He tried medication and went on and off medication. Um, the side effects for him were were um, quite horrendous. And um, it led to his deciding to take his life. And the first thing I thought, I, I remember this so clearly, the first thing I thought um, when when I got that horrible call was, God, at least he's not suffering anymore. So for some people, unfortunately, it's a very, very serious uh, struggle and, um, and, and the, the outcome is not good. But I do think that if we identify kids earlier um, and, and get them connected to all, kind, all of the kinds of resources that, that we have now, um, that they don't have to experience the path my brother did. So that was um, sort of the really the first, well, actually it wasn't even the first experience with mental illness that I had um, in my life. My, my, my first experience was when I was 16 years old, one of my good friends um, took his life. And um, that really 
truly was dark ages times. We did, nobody talked, nobody talked about it. Um, you know, we didn't try to delve into the mystery of it or what was underlying it. It was hush hush. And, uh, wow, that really took a big toll on, it was a group of friends, um, that, uh, were close and close to him. And we struggled with that, um, lack of sort of understanding for a long time. And the only high school reunion I ever went to was my 20th reunion. And we still talked about it even then, um, about what a profound loss it was and how sad we were that we were so ill-informed and didn't recognize his suffering. So, uh, yeah, it really goes back to when I was 16. So then my brother got sick. Um, I have another brother who uh, struggles with bipolar disorder um, in a pretty profound way. Um, he was a practicing doctor for many years, and um, there was a trigger, a series of stresses in his life that made his illness severe enough that he no longer could practice medicine. It was too stressful. Um, my sister has struggled with, uh, addiction to pain medication. Uh, my mother struggles with depression. My grandmother had bipolar disorder. My uncle has bipolar disorder. So it's, um, it's just a fact of life for me. And, um, I, at some point, um, in my adult life, I decided that since this was such a big part of my life, um, I better get informed and, um, I better find out how to be an advocate. And, and one of the, the big pushes for me to get more informed, um, and to be sort of proactive was I, I had children of my own and I knew that they would be at an increased risk, a significantly increased risk of developing um, a mental health disorder at some point in their lives. So I, I wanted to be as informed as possible so I could be vigilant. And um, and frankly, we, we've been talking about mental illness and um, and what that looks like and what it means since they were very young because there were so many sick people in my family and they had to understand what was going on, um, around us. So I, you know, I wasn't inclined to, to, um, tell them anything other than the truth at a level that they could understand at each, you know, age that they were. So they grew up with this understanding. And one of my daughters does have a, a mental health, um, condition that she she recognized um, very quickly herself, and she started monitoring her mood as a freshman in college. She kept a, an actual log of her moods, and um, when she saw that there was a pattern, she talked to me about it, and uh, we got her to a doctor, and and that's been very helpful to her. So, I think every kid. Um, and every adult uh, has the right to have information about 
how their minds work and um and what to do if they if they don't feel well and that we need to be available to hear them believe them be compassionate and open and uh be ready to to provide help so yeah so mental health is it it is my life in a certain way um the issues around mental health and uh at some point i just decided to embrace it and and recognize that um a part of my mission in life is to be a voice for all these people that I've known and uh, and speak out on, on their behalves. So I, I feel very um, strongly about that and I feel good about the fact that I'm well enough to be able to do that myself. So um, that's what I've been working on recently. I, there's so many places I could go with this. I, I first just want to acknowledge your story and say thank you for going to those places and um, and also experiencing uh, strength while going through that and being able to uh, utilize your voice as a way to use as a tool in order to speak more about it instead of just being quiet about it and um you're so right i think like everyone everyone is kind of uh, in in a way in a sense uh they have some sort of negative thinking going on up there mm-hmm. because life is a challenge mm-hmm. and um the one thing i do want to bring up though cuz i'm just curious about uh, a professional's uh, diagnosis on this question is um when when you see someone that is now diagnosed with depression or schizophrenia or manic depressive all these big buzz words in the mental health industry mm-hmm. do you see them kind of now limit themselves with their true potential no. instead of actually <laughs> yeah. I'm so, i just want to get that out so fast because um well in some cases people are just so sick that it limits their ability to express themselves um for instance, my, my brother wasn't able to continue to practice medicine, but he's also a great dad. Um, and, and he still, he still provides lots and lots of medical advice, um, to, to family and friends. Um, but no, I, I believe so strongly that a mental health condition no more defines us than any other health condition. Like if I have diabetes and I say I'm a diabetic, you know, that that's a physical condition I have. I'm not, I, I don't personally, but um, plenty of people do, but we don't ascribe, um, you know, character um, uh, issues or, or assumptions about who that person is because they have diabetes. Right. So let's, not do that about other kinds of things like mental health challenges. Um, I mean, I can, I know so, well, I mean, I know so many people, one, as I said, one in five of us at any given time is struggling. Um, But the vast majority of us are, are living a life. So um, it's just a part of, of our lives. It's something that, you know, 
we deal with or has to be addressed. Um, I've suffered, I've struggled with depression and anxiety on and off. I actually have PTSD. Um, and yes, it's something that's a factor in my life, but it certainly doesn't define who I am. Um, and in some ways I actually think it, and I think maybe you share this feeling that, you know, um, it, it can make a person more compassionate. It can make you look at things, um, in a different sort of way. If you're able to be open and honest and acknowledge, um, what your experience is through um, the lens of a mental health challenge. Um, and uh, I do think it informs how I look at the world and how I look at other people, but only in a positive way, only in a good way, um, certainly not in a negative way. So that's a, I think that's a, a critically important message to get to, to folks is and and the more people who are acknowledging publicly that they have had mental health struggles and we and we look at them we think what really you you know like you've accomplished all these things um we will become much less um critical less um small minded about what uh it means to have a mental health challenge and 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 understand that it's just a part of who a person is and not, uh, and I, I, my daughters actually have taught me um, to stay away from the language of I am bipolar. Um, I am, um, you know, I, I am um, schizophrenic. Um, instead to say, I have this condition. Uh, because, you know, you don't say I am a heart attack. Right. It's um, it's just a funny thing that, that we uh, came to look at mental health challenges in a very different way than we look at all other physical health challenges. So that's an important. Yeah, I'm so ha I'm so happy and thrilled that your daughters promote that, because that's exactly what uh, I realized that when I s saw people around me actually defining themselves with this sort of what we call a disease, mm -hmm. but it's certainly not a disease mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. um, it's, 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 and it's not even a I, I am schizophrenic. It is I just have this thing. It's just like, you know, a, a person, and it's not to make light of the issue. Right. It's just that you have to go on with your, um, you got to go on with your life and, and also follow that, that certain, itch that is in your life where if it's if it's itchy enough and you're trying to ignore it it's going to drive you crazy so why not just acknowledge it why not put it out in the open and when you do i guarantee you'll feel a sense of relief and to hide from it i think that's why a lot of people are afraid about getting uh diagnosed and if if psychiatry is the way to do it for you then go for it. Or if just, you know, uh, joining even a Facebook oh, group or, or reaching out to myself yes. or Wendy and just getting it out there and getting yourself out there and expressing and not like that becoming your life, but, you know, at least just saying one thing about it a day, I think. Well, um, you know, one of my favorite things to do it. actually, and, and in my, um, my desire to reach out to people and to sort of normalize 
this particular kind of health challenge. Um, one of the things I love to do is to go on Facebook and Twitter and interact with and um, provide um, <clears throat> um, uh, recognition and um, acceptance and um, inspiration um, whatever I can to people who are being open about it um, through social media because people really do talk in a very deep way and are quite quite honest about what they're struggling with in social media and um, I think it's an incredible place to be able to go and, and, and give encouragement and, and be a deep listener and a non-judgmental listener and to to really be there. I, I know it's it feels good to post something and have people say, yeah, I've, I've had that too. I've experienced that too. I, I know what you mean. Um, I really love to really engage with people in a way that um, becomes like a conversation and even offer to continue to be present for them um, as someone they can always, always go to if they feel like they need to talk about something because these things are difficult and they can be very, very hard to talk to um, with people who have not experienced it. Um, I have a good friend who is 58 years old and over the last year and a half has uh, struggled with very profound depression um, and did make an attempt um, to take her life. Fortunately, was unsuccessful and now is um, in a whole different place. Um, but one of the most um, frustrating experiences she has um, had then when she was truly sick and even now um, is the ability to talk with her friends about what she went through and how profound it was. And, um, you know, what, what she comes up against is a lot of uh, just sort of people not knowing how to allow her even just to talk honestly and openly. Um, let alone give a response that is encouraging or empathic. Um, and I find this interesting because if half of us experience a mental health challenge, then um, half of us have had an experience, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. Um, and my hope is that we become so much more open that we can all draw on these experiences um, and and use them so that we can truly be present and empathic for somebody who has gone through something very difficult or is going through something very difficult. Um, some, you know, so many more of us have than acknowledge it. So we might as well um, acknowledge it so we can be a support system for one another instead of saying things that are hurtful or just uneducated, you know, um, not helpful. Well, the thing is that I find uh, a common trait with everybody that I've looked up to as a hero or a mentor or a... Um, 
uh, it, someone that's written a great book. And what I see is that common thread that they really do have some really deep, dark stuff, like negative issues going on in their mind, no matter the crazy amount of success that they have in their life. And then um, sometimes we hear about stories like Robin Williams and Chris Cornell. And also, you know, there's just so many. There's so many that um, unfortunately took their life because of it. And so I kind of want to ask you, what do you think what do you think leads up to that is it the the hiding that leads up to the, these people that have these great amount great amounts of success all this wealth of knowledge all this wealth of people loving them but still somehow they don't love themselves truly well i think that i think the, their their inability to love themselves truly is probably part of the of the illness um but it certainly is impacted by um the broader society's inability to provide love and caring and empathy to them at the time that they're feeling bad um you know, if we were a much more open society about this, a Chris Cornell would have, you know, a lot of people to reach out to and would be talking openly with people. And, you know, I I have a, a, a pact um, with my friend um, that, it, you know, that we, we have, we know that if one of us says, um, I really feel bad, that that needs to be taken extremely seriously. And, um, and if, if, you know, one of us were to say, I, I feel like I might think about hurting myself, um, that that's something we would take very seriously and not try to brush off. And, um, it's, it's like this really safe person we can go to that understands what my words mean, that I need to be taken seriously. Um, and that, um, you know, makes themselves available because that's really a crisis. If you're feeling that badly, that that's a physical health crisis. That's an emergency. <clears throat> and, and we need to have enough people in society that understand that and can respond to that emergency um, without judgment, without hesitation. Um, I, I have a, I had a 32 year old nephew who um, had moved away from home um, and and gone to school and dropped out of school and had um, a, a series of jobs. Um, and while he was living away from home, had been um, developing symptoms of a serious mental illness. And different groups of friends and family members saw pieces of those symptoms. Nobody had truly the full picture to put together that he was sick in an urgent kind of way, you know, like where you would say, um, we, we need to talk about how to, how to help you. So um, at the time when he became um most sick he he went to a friend's house and he said um i want 
I'm thinking I want to kill myself. And this friend was an older, older friend. I think he was in his mid forties. And, um, he took Jim seriously to the extent that he said, um, please come in, stay with me as long as you need to. And he had Jim make him a promise that he wouldn't hurt himself. But what he didn't do was unload the gun that he kept under his pillow on his bed and that Jim knew he kept there. And he didn't, when Jim told him, I want to hurt myself, he didn't call 911 or put him in the car and say, I'm driving you to a doctor to get you help because this is a health crisis. And unfortunately, um, Jim did take his life. Uh, I think he, he went to that friend because he knew he had a gun. Um, so if we all understood that, uh, you know, words, we, we need to have words that mean something. And when we hear them from a person to understand that they mean something, you know, I, I've, I've been thinking about what's the universal, uh, you know, there's a universal sign for I'm choking when you put your hands around your throat you know, and um, people have learned the high maneuver and how to, to act in that emergency. We need, we almost need some sort of signal that says, um, I am feeling really bad and I mean it, you know, like I want you to take me seriously and what that signal would be. Um, maybe it's just using the words I'm thinking about hurting myself and having it universally acknowledged that that needs to be taken seriously. Um, because if someone's telling you to really saying, I, I want help. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think uh, the, the more open we are about these things, we do need to have it be um, something that we can all talk about. We do all have hard, terrible things that have happened in our lives. Um, I've only scratched the surface, honestly, of the, of the things that have, that have gone on in my life um, with people who've struggled with mental health issues. Um, so, yeah, a, a common um set of of um a common knowledge and i want i want to call it mental health literacy because it is it's about um a common um knowledge of the signs and symptoms um that we all have and and some knowledge about how to intervene um my daughter and i actually took a a mental health first aid class and what we learned in that class was how to recognize the signs um, and symptoms of someone who's really struggling. And when, it, when it's at a crisis point, when we think someone is really behaving in a way that seems to indicate they might harm themselves or somebody else, how to intervene. And it was so logical and it made so much sense um, that this class was provided. Um, and I have used what I learned in that class multiple times in public settings where I've seen someone who's clearly experiencing a mental health crisis and stepped in. And um, wouldn't, wouldn't it be an amazing thing if instead of walking past somebody who's um, 
displaying symptoms of a crisis and judging them or um, God forbid, pulling out our cell phones and filming them and putting that up on YouTube, that we recognize that really what's going on is a health crisis and that we knew how to step in and, and intervene in a way that was helpful um, and respectful. And, and that's what I'd like to move us all, all toward. <laughs> I, the first um, idea of my TED Talk, and I did go through many, many iterations of what it was ultimately going to be, what I thought the message should be. But the first, the first idea was just to ask people when they look at someone who's behaving strangely or in a way that's unfamiliar to them, to first think, maybe that person's not well, maybe that person needs help instead of, oh my God, that person is so insane. That person's crazy. Look at that terrible behavior. I'm going to film that behavior. I'm going to provoke that person by, um, you know, asking them why they're acting that way or challenging them or creating a scene by gathering a crowd around them. Um, but to stop and have their first thought be, oh, that's odd. That's not typical behavior. Maybe that person needs help. And when I, I talked to my brother who um, does have bipolar disorder and, and told him about that, he had such a profound resonance with it because when he was his sickest, he was not in control of his thoughts and his behavior. Um, and he was doing things that scared him and scared other people. And he remembered one incident where he was on a train and um, it, was, it was arguing in, in a very heated way with another passenger on the train. And someone came up to him and instead of adding fuel to that situation um, by saying, what, what the hell's wrong with you, man? Why are you, why are you doing this? You know, what, you're, you're such a jerk. Um, actually said, hey, why don't we go over here and talk? I, I can see this is really making you angry. Let's go talk over here. And de-escalated what was happening in such a kind and respectful way. And my brother has not forgotten that. And what a profoundly different experience that was for him in that moment than so many other times when he had had um, episodes when he was acting out in public because he wasn't well. So... Um, that's a lesson that is very deeply ingrained in me. And, um, yeah, I, I have intervened multiple times when someone is, is clearly suffering and gone up and said, can I help you somehow? Let's talk. Please tell me what's going on. Tell me how I can help you. Um, so, and I think that's a really easy thing to learn, right? And we have to stop being afraid of approaching people whose behavior is is unfamiliar to us. Um, you know, people who are struggling with mental health challenge are, are rarely violent to people who come up respectfully <laughs> and offer help. So, you know, we should no more walk past a person who is in crisis that way than we would a person who collapses on the sidewalk and is um, experiencing a heart attack. That's, that's my personal feeling about it. So I, I will talk to somebody I see on the street or in a store or in the airport. Um, if I think they look like they need help, I would want someone to ask me 
that's for sure. So I think it's just a compassionate thing to do. And, um, you know, we just need to normalize that kind of response. Just make it normal to say, hey, can I help you? You know? Yeah, it's. I think it's about also yeah. just like trusting your intuition and it not always being that person. Like, I think we wait so often because we feel like we have to have some new sort of credential or certificate to actually offer any help with anybody. But the real thing is like yes. just listening to someone and not even providing Absolutely. like an answer right away is I promise you on Thanks. the road to recovery for them. Like no matter what they are dealing with, even if like, I remember when I used to practice my lines and just like be walking around and right. I'd say things out loud and people would look at <laughs> me like right. I'm a crazy person. And that would just right. make me feel crazy. You know, like it wouldn't really make it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even, it would promote me to not even want to rehearse anymore. And, and so like, if someone just would have said like, Hey, what are you doing? And I was just, oh, I'm actually just practicing uh, my lines for this play. Like, that would be so cool if now I get to talk about this role that I really care about in life or, like, something else, you know? And that's just you a know, little... I, have, um, I had a similar experience but, um, when I was um, rehearsing, memorizing my TED Talk. I, I, You see, I there's something about being 53 and having seen people go through really horrific um, challenges and and not always um come through uh that's very humbling but also very very freeing so i feel you know i don't i don't worry about being judged anymore i feel very comfortable in my own skin and i feel comfortable acting on my tuitions, my intuitions. So if I see something um, going up and talk and talking to somebody about what I see is very comfortable and natural and easy for me. But I also did do this where um, when I was memorizing the TED talk, I'd be walking down the streets in New York, um, talking out loud and walking through stores and talking. I did not care what people thought. I just don't care anymore because, um, you know, that's, that's their hang up that's there life will catch up with everybody and and what i hope for everybody is that they find it enlightening and humbling and something that causes them to become more empathic and less judgmental um life is hard and um we can all use that to generate a lot more love and care and trust and positivity in the world instead of um, hesitancy and judging. And that, you know, I, I, I know there's an opportunity in this lifetime to, to help open people up to those kinds of things and, and to tear down those barriers that are really mostly just fear and, and lack of knowledge. So, you know, I, I love to just be myself. Um, it, of course, my, my daughters sometimes find it quite appalling <laughs> when I am just myself out in public. Um, but they're only 20 years old and, uh, their time will come too. And, uh, I, I, I was the same way when I was a young person, you know, like I have to fit in and I have to be like everybody else. But, um, I've, I've really rid myself of that notion um for a long time now um so i i feel very comfortable 
talking openly like this about the things I've experienced and know and um, and not worrying about what people think about that. Yeah, I, I love that. I love it all. I kind of want to ask you, though, like, I'm just really, really, mm-hmm. really curious about this question um, for everyone, just because I think that uh, sometimes you need a, I think, like knowing other people and how they uh, are wired is really important. But I think knowing yourself yeah. is even cooler. And so like, I, I asked this question about um, like, What's your little dopamine spikes? Like what gives you that that high that sort of like you just know everything is working in your oh, life right now, me, right here. And you're really for me, Logan, scratching that it's itch. connecting in a profound way like this. It's um when I have really, really authentic um conversations with people about important things. When um all the walls are 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 um torn down and I feel like um I'm able to be fully present and non-judgmental and be in a space where I can do something positive for someone else. That that is by far the biggest high for me. Um I've had a profound sense since I was really young that I I'm here in this um, life for that purpose. And I've made it a point in my, um, through my adulthood, I have gotten a ton of therapy and read a ton of books and um, tried to understand myself as un in, as unbiased a way as I can. So acknowledging my strengths, my challenges, um, and what I do have to offer. And, um, and someone, as someone just said to me recently, actually, my purpose in this life is to use my life to help other people, um, heal themselves, feel better about themselves, um, understand themselves better. Uh, and so for me, that, that's the high. So doing the Ted talk, um, thinking about, uh, um, another book that I, I want to do about mental health, um, uh, and just conversations one-on-one with people is, is really where I feel like, wow, yeah, this is now I'm alive, you know, I'm, I'm filling my purpose. Yeah. I can feel it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. I mean, thank you so much. And I I not only feel and I not only think, but I know for a fact. There's just yeah. certain things in your life where you know for a fact that if someone discovers yeah. their little dopamine spikes, like they will they won't question their existence in this society anymore. They won't question their sadness. They won't they won't feel God forbid that numbness that happens so every true. now and then. Um, if they just really discover their dopamine spikes and to put themselves in those situations God, as much as possible. Such great I think advice. I think that's people. so very well put, really. Because you know what? We are going to have lows. That's part of life. We we can't change that. Um, uh, we're gonna. There are gonna be periods when we feel really crappy, when we feel really bad about ourselves, and and when we question our purpose. That's just um, that's just a part of living. And so if and this again, 
um, having lived 53 years. One of the great things I've learned is things pass. You know, there are times when you feel great and there are times when you feel low and there are times when things are working and there are times when things are not working and there are times when it feels like, my God, there's, you know, there's just way too much going on for me right now that um, I'm overwhelmed by it. And how is it, how's this ever going to work out? It does. Things pass. And, um, and, and I believe, and I've, I've learned to believe in my core that, um, unless you have something that is fatal, there's a tomorrow and there's a day after tomorrow and a day after that. And good things always come in the future. Good. There's always good stuff, um, that you don't, you can't predict um, what it's going to be and you don't know what, when it's coming. Um, but there's always good stuff coming and, um, to use that to help you get through the, the really rough spots. I, I, I absolutely believe in that. I do too. I do too. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you oh, for agreeing with really, me. That's a really, really important <laughs> way to look, look um, at things. I think to, that that's helpful to yourself and to lots of other people. If you, I try to tell my daughters this all the time, you know, it gets better. It'll get better. It'll get better. This is, this is just temporary. So that's a great message. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to do that. I think during oh, the, yeah. um, the actual, you know, accident or the actual experience. And, um, I've, I, I don't know if you want to give any, advice to this or add on to it. I just think it's, it all comes down to self-worth and self-acceptance and, and go like, you know, I'm on my own journey. I'm not going to compare myself when this stuff does kind of hit the fan. And I don't want to be, you know, I think one of the worst things we do to ourselves is compare ourselves to other people and other people's um, paths. Um, There is no, there is no right. There is no normal. There just isn't, um, you know, obviously we don't want to hurt other people, but short of that, there's, there's absolutely none. And, and each of us is going to have a very individual experience. And the more we can accept and appreciate and encourage people to follow their own paths, <clears throat> the better off we will all be. I mean, I, I, and I think about this a lot around the college experience that, you know, uh, kids think, okay, well, I'm graduating high school now. I'm going to go to college, and and college is actually a really um, uh, high risk time for young adults to experience uh, mental health challenges. And going right through four years of college is not the right path for a whole lot of young adults. And yet, there's all this societal sort of pressure, expectation that you know that's what you do, and the truth is so, so, so many kids are not doing it that way. They're, they're getting, they're making their way through um, on their own path and creatively and for, in a way that works for them. And maybe they're taking a time out to deal with a mental health challenge. Um, and then they get back to education or to whatever their, their um, avocation is a little bit later. And that's perfectly fine. 
you know, and, and when, and when you're 53 and you look back on it, it's much easier to recognize that than when you're 20 um, years old and, and you think all your friends are in school and they're all thriving and they all have all these friends and everything's great. When really a whole bunch of them are not feeling good, <laughs> not feeling good at all. And uh, both my daughters at their two separate schools have um, had close friends and roommates who have really struggled uh, with mental health and, and even had to take time out um, from school to, to deal with that first. So yeah, there's, there's no right path. There's only your path. And, um, and, and the more you can feel comfortable on your path, that's a huge help. But then I think the other thing that you want around you, so, so self-worth and, and, um, and, and self-acceptance, those are really, really critical to getting through those rough patches. But the other thing is, because it's hard to think positively when you're in those rough patches, is to have um, people around you who, when you're feeling that way, you can tell them that you're feeling that way and that they can be, um, they can be the people who are reminding you, you know, about your self-worth and, and about what you contribute and, um, and how important you are, um, to the world and, and certainly in, in their lives. And, uh, and also maybe I, I mean, I, I write, um, emails to myself and send them to myself that I can look at when I'm feeling, um, bad that help me remember, um, you know, a lot of terrible things have happened, but wow, look at all this good stuff. Look at the light, um, look forward. Um, so everybody can find their, their little, um, you know, gems, tricks, meditations, a great, um, tool, uh, to help them remember those important truths when they're going through a rough time. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I just want to say everyone that is listening to this, really, I'm going to be a jerk right now and tell you to really <laughs> fucking listen to it. Like actually listen to it, like listen to it. Cause I know you've listened to this information probably before and never actually like, and I'm telling myself this too. Well, I say it out loud. Like I'm not like the, I'm not the holy <laughs> Holy Spirit, you know, from above that's telling you that this is going to solve all your answers because it may not solve all your problems or questions. But uh, really, I mean, just listen. And uh, I got I could talk to you for so much longer, Wendy, but uh, I just want to wrap it up in the next 10 minutes and just um, ask you a few more like questions sure. that I try to ask all my guests at the end, Great. just because I think they're so important. Okay. Um so thank you so much for doing this, by the way. I just want to first like acknowledge uh, all your hard work and all that you do and um, I appreciate all the vulnerability. That. I appreciate that thank so much. It's an honor and it's such a great opportunity um, that you've given me to, to share some, some thoughts. So I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing so much because, you know, you speak to... Um, a lot of folks your age, especially in that 
that age range that um, really need to hear these positive, open, honest messages from other people their age. And um, so I, I'm going to promote the heck out of this <laughs> podcast because um Boy, we all need to to hear positive messages in as many ways as we can access them, right? Yes, 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 and yes. Thank you. It's just <laughs> it, it's a, I I call it scratch your own itch because this is an itch for me that I just have to scratch, mm -hmm. and um, it it can change. And I think curiosity makes people greater people. So if they're curious about it and they just constantly stay in that state of of curiosity and they stay in that state of of not having it all figured out but yes. always figuring it out um i really don't know if i'm right but those are going to be the practices that i try to uh exactly do just that practice every day um well and you can never go wrong by keeping an open mind that's for sure and and by um acknowledging that um there's a lot to learn as you go through life and things will um, change and your perspective will change and you'll get more information about things. And so to, to hold your beliefs, but also be open to more information and, um, and life experiences um, to continue forming those beliefs. 100%. So, so amazing to hear all that. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. Um, so, okay. Yeah. We'll do these last bit of mm -hmm. quick questions and then uh, we'll wrap it up. But the first question is, um, does Wendy Smith have a spirit animal? Oh my God. That's so odd that you are asking me that right now. <laughs> I just uh, spent 10 days in Sedona, Arizona, which is an incredibly spiritual place. It's, um, it's a place of great reverence among Native Americans, and um, I did a lot of hiking, and I I um, I had I even had my aura read, and uh, had a lot of great conversations about spirituality with people, um, and I bought this necklace with a turtle on it. <clears throat> it just um, it resonated with me, and um, I think thing about the turtle for me um, is it lives a very long life and um, it takes its time. It takes its time um, to move through life. And uh, I, I admire um, its longevity and um, its toughness. Um, um, but I've also had some funny experiences where I, I I live in a place where there should never be, but there was a gigantic tortoise crossing the road. Um, um, as I was driving through my neighborhood one day, I have no idea where this turtle came from, but I, I got out of my car and stopped traffic so that it could <laughs> slowly make its way across the street unharmed and um so i really resonate with with the spirit of of turtles but um the other thing would be um elephants i i have um a huge amount of respect and um affiliation for an for elephants i think they god and also dolphins <laughs> so i'm gonna say there's i don't 
Okay. Just, I, just, I just one, like, just one, Wendy. List of species, I think, because I do appreciate that they all have a, a certain consciousness and um, and and something special to contribute to the world. So, yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> no, I really love the. I love all the picks. I think I love the tortoise the most no, because I haven't gotten that one yet. Uh. And 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 just the way you kind of elaborate on moving through life slowly, and um, I think that we we're are. all in such a rat race, and I think that just adds to anxiety, and and sometimes we just gotta slow down. I'm not saying like always move through life as a tortoise; like there's just times where right. you can't. Um, and uh, but but to to be you know if if things are kind of like repeatedly hitting, yeah hitting the fan yeah shit hitting the fan just things falling apart it could it could be because you're not taking the time to just move a little bit slower and i think the only reason why people fall into uh, being upset with their financial issues is because all of a sudden they're like i need to make money now like no you don't need to make money now you're not going to jail if you don't like you know pay off your house right away like and okay everyone's situation is different but yeah like any I think just too many people out there are so money hungry and monetizing everything. And it just makes me kind of sick and um, sad. Absolutely true. I couldn't agree more. And and really um, there's so much richness in life, so much more richness um, in um, really connecting with people and knowing yourself and being mindful and moving through life um, slow enough to appreciate the bounty that is everywhere in nature, in people, um, much more so than in material possessions. Yeah. That, that's my personal opinion. <laughs> well, I love your personal opinion. And I'm so bad at these last questions, so just not talk. And one day I'll get it down and just shut up and move on to the next question. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the next question I like to ask is, um, because my mind works in mantras and quotes, what's a what's a favorite quote of yours that you have been living by? Oh, God. Oh, my God. My favorite quote is never, 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 never give up. And that is Winston Churchill. And that's a quote um, from uh, a speech he gave um, during World War II. And that... Um, there was something about, uh, I, I recognized it first in movies, in action movies. Um, and I, I realized this is something I could apply to my life. Um, action heroes in the movies um, never stop trying. They keep finding another way, another thing um, to, to get them out of a problem or into a better situation or to diffuse a situation. And I just really believe wholeheartedly that if we have that attitude of never giving up um, and not letting ourselves fall into um, pessimism or cynicism, that um, things can only get better. And if we apply that, um, we can achieve a lot. Thank you. That's so awesome because I know a lot of people look up to that kind of stuff. Uh, it's true. I mean, the, yeah, it's a hero's journey. You you, you got to not give up and 
there's no there's no secret sauce to success it's just consistency and no nope that's right I love that. That's exactly right. Um, thank you. <laughs> I feel so wise today with you. Thank you. Uh, you are wise. You're very, very I'll wise. Stop it. So that's part of, of what's so great about no, that's part of what's so great about your doing um your podcast. Um part of your wisdom is um is just acknowledging um that it's great to be in a in a place of curiosity and to be open and, and to know that other people have um, worthwhile things to say and share and being open to that, that that's something that um, a lot of people don't have. So congratulations to to you on that. Thank you. And I, guys, I didn't pay her a penny for that. I swear. Like I didn't pay her a single (laughs) cent for that. Um, Yes, it is. (laughs) Dang it. Uh, No, but for reals, um, back to uh, this awesome last rapid fire questions that John Lee Dumas would talk about or whatever those business podcasts are so good at doing. I'm not. Um, But uh, another one, another question at least that I like to ask is, um, what's a book that you would like to gift to someone? I know that you have your book, but what is another book? Yeah. Oh, there's a book that I recommend everybody in the world read and that it's called um Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. It's by Susan Jeffers. I read it when I was in graduate school and it completely changed um how I look at taking risks and and trying things in life. Um it 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 helps you um look at a challenge uh and break it down um as to all all of the the possible outcomes and evaluate really what's the worst thing could that could happen and can you handle that and the answer overwhelmingly in in virtually all cases yes you can handle that so i gave this ted talk it didn't go perfectly <laughs> and um and i was i was really disappointed um with with uh how it turned out in that moment but i survived that and i learned a whole bunch of stuff from doing it and um it inspired me to uh want to spread my message in all kinds of other ways so anyway i I learned that from this book and um yeah it's a great great inspirational read but what's so great about it all is that no matter what you go through, like the hardest of things mm-hmm. will probably be the story that you tell one day. And um, I'm not saying mm-hmm. like, like constantly mm-hmm. like get yourself into a position of adrenaline rushes every single day. But I don't think that if you uh, mm-hmm. do that, like if you actually do do that, um, God bless your soul, first of all, um, because that's so mm-hmm. hard to do. But also, uh, you'll find out that you'll come out the under, other end a better person, uh, and uh, you'll be happy you did it. And it's much harder done than said, obviously. Um, but yeah. last, uh, last sure. but not least, these last two questions, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, the, the second to last question is, if you had three minutes to record 
something to your family, your friends, all your loved ones. Um, and you could put it on a billboard even, and it would just send a message to everybody. Uh, what would that advice be? Oh, you know what? I wouldn't even need three minutes. It's just one word. It's love. It's just love. And um, I really believe that that's what comprises the universe. I believe when you strip away all of our biases and our, our, our fears, uh, <clears throat> all good things um, come from a place of love. And um, if we can um, practice that every day, practice being in a state of, um, of um, thinking how beautiful things are, thinking how um, fortunate we are, um, and being grateful for everything that the universe has put um, in this lifetime, uh, that there's really nothing else we need. We just need love. We just need to feel love and express mm -hmm. love. And that's that. That to me is is the um, the message for life. Love. I I find myself saying I love that a lot, and I do that now. Uh, I used to do it, to like force myself to say that, but I do that purposely. And even yeah. when I listen to my interviews while I'm editing, when I'm like, I love that, I love that. I do that now subconsciously. But um, before it was an effort, just just yeah. really just love things more instead of, you know, it's it's just uh, your mind. We tend to think about things we don't have, and we tend to go towards negativity. And so it's just like, yes. just use that if you can use yes. that. Even if even if you feel fake doing it at first, it gets better. Yes, and the more you express it to other people, the more comes yeah. back to you. So. Um, yeah, that was one of the things that I loved about Sedona is uh, the people that lived there were really open and warm and loving. And uh, there was a lot of just ease. And um, it was a great, a great experience. But yeah, that, that, that's my billboard. Thank you. One word. I love it. Love it. Uh, seriously. Uh, so <laughs> the last question is, um, this is kind of a deep one, but uh, so let's say, uh, Let's say someone out there has this itch, but in your case, it's you, and you've been avoiding to scratch it. Uh, what is that itch that you've been avoiding to scratch that you want to do? Oh, God. Um, avoiding. I have a lot of itches. Good. <laughs> and I'm not avoiding. Uh, maybe the thing that's hardest for me actually is prioritizing them um, and, and, and committing to just taking one and focusing on it and running with it. So um, I have many, many interests and passions. Um, my itch is to slow down, pick one and run with it. So uh, it's really interesting that you put it that way because that that really is the challenge for me right now. I have been struggling with that for a number of months, um, sort of what's next. And um, I have so many ideas, but what I need to do is stop, choose, and move forward. 
So that that's that's the itch I've got to scratch. Thank you for that. Uh, that just it goes to show you that we're all human, yeah. and we all actually, like you said earlier, yeah. we all have these mental illnesses. I know that I've never been diagnosed with ADHD, but gosh dang it, I definitely have ADHD. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like it, your mind just goes, yeah. and it, it's it's easier to be in love with new ideas than it is to just go on there's so many times where even during the day where i want to change this podcast completely like i just i just oh, don't want to do it anymore right. i don't want to do another mental health podcast but then i go i go whatever if it's not if it's not working it's not working like i can always change it but then again right there's no secret sauce to success it's just consistency no, you just gotta isn't. chase that that's idea. exactly right and the sauce the sauce is yeah. gonna change over the years it becomes deeper it becomes uh more seasoned Ooh, with experience yeah. and and um and information so uh love the sauce you have now and know that it's only gonna get better <laughs> i love that thank you yes <laughs> love the sauce yeah, i i kind of want to title it that love the sauce yeah. that you have now It'll only get deeper and tastier and yummier. Exactly. Exactly. That's the absolute truth. Yeah. And seriously, guys, again, like, don't just listen to this. You know what? I'm going to tell you this right now. Please take a quote or something that I said or Wendy and Instagram about it, Facebook about it, tweet about it. Um, uh, do whatever makes you feel like you can express because expression is going to make you feel better. And it's actually going to allow you to practice what you're hearing these people that you look up to and actually preach it too. And so that's great. Like to actually do something like that. It's really great. And I didn't make this podcast just to hear another person and another guest. I want you to become friends because we can have heroes. Yeah. in the TV shows and the movies and all that stuff, but we can have real life heroes too and mentors and people that we look up to so if anyone wants to reach out to you wendy how can they reach out to you and maybe say something to you that really impacted their life oh absolutely um well my email address is wendy s smith at wendy s smith.com um so there's two s's in there um and and you know to, to add on to what you just said there, um, Logan, in the process of writing my book um, and in researching and putting together my TED Talk, I learned that the vast majority of people welcome hearing from people who are genuinely interested in what, what they're working on. So I reached out to researchers and to um, you know, the head of the National Institutes of, of Mental Health it's amazing who will pick up the phone or return an email um, or text with you. Um, people are generally incredibly generous with their time. And um, so don't ever hesitate to make, a, make that phone call or send that email or text somebody. People like to talk to people about their passion. So um, go for it. Just reach out. In next week's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Barack Obama because I'm going to send him an email. Uh, <laughs> and it's going to be great. Or, awesome. You go yes. for it. Go. You never know. You never know. I'm telling you. No, not, I actually <laughs> do think there. No, I actually did any, I email uh, Ariana Huffington 
that does uh, yeah. Huffington Post, and she emailed me back telling me that I needed to share my story. Um, Seriously, yeah. that's like, fantastic. Uh, uh, it, like I put it in some pool or something like that, and they have um they have someone review it, and then they they have a bunch of threads that people can look through as far as this kind of topic. And that's cool. I'm going to do that when I feel that it's the right time. And I have a, a story fledged out because I really don't want to just put anything out there. I want to put something that's really, really going to land with someone. So, but thank you. Yeah, that's great advice. That, well, whatever you put out, whatever you put out will be great. And don't think it has to be perfect. And I'm, I'm really, um, so impressed that you are uh, looking at opportunities like that. Everybody should. Everybody should because the worst that can happen is it doesn't happen. And, you know, life goes on and, and, and other doors open. So true. So, good for Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, Wendy, this has been a rich, very rich conversation. I loved it through and through. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd love to have you back on one day if that ever um would be a, a nice invitation for yourself and you've ever welcomed that idea again of please course. please of course thank you and and i'll be very interested in following what you're doing as you move through your life so i'll be watching uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> nice nice <laughs> that's a good thing only in a good way only in a good I way know. absolutely i know thanks so much logan thank you we'll talk later okay very good. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk later. Very good. Sounds great. Thank you. Alright guys, well there you have another episode with Wendy Smith and I. This might be one of my favorite interviews so far. Like I had an incredible time with her. She has an amazing energy. I loved, loved her energy. Oh man, if I could just have more Wendy Smith in my life, I would. Um, <laughs> that sounded really weird, but ah, whatever. Anyways guys, please, um, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to support the show by listening and if you have time just go on your facebook and uh you know do a little quote of what we said today and if you really want to go the extra mile i don't think you will but you might want to just scroll down to the review section on your itunes or your android account and just look for the reviews and uh, give it a five stars if you want to, I'm not saying you have to, but you should. And uh, also leave a review because the reviews will really help me um, feel like I'm actually doing this for a reason. Uh, because if I'm not, then what's the point? So I appreciate everyone's feedback. And if you do leave any feedback, I will be sure to read it on the show. So thank you guys. Without further ado, you matter and you're enough. <laughs>